0: Last week, we started a series of messages on choices. I said that my life is determined by the choices that I make. said that the sum total of my life is just the sum total of all the decisions, all the choices that I've made. said last week that my life is choice plus choice plus choice plus choice plus choice plus choice plus all those thousands of choices equal what I get today. That does not mean that every single thing that has happened to you in your life has been your choice. Some people have made choices for you, and some of those choices were not good. They were bad choices. They may have even been evil choices. If that has happened to you, you now have a choice on how you're going to deal with that. You now have a choice on how you're going to deal with it. Whether your life to be determined by someone else's choices someone else's decisions for you or by the grace of God to be able to ask God to be able to help you to leave that behind no matter how traumatic no matter how bad that was and for you to be able to live a new life in Jesus Christ that is a choice that you have or I can be able to as I said last week Waller in the past George Jones teamed up with me and helped me preach last week if you were here Uh, For those of you that were not here, uh, we're going to give an encore performance, okay? You don't even have to flick your lighter here for George to give an encore performance. If you've never been to a concert for encore, they hold lighters. So last week, I don't know if George knew and probably, uh, I'm certain probably that he didn't knew that that's straight from Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you have your Bible, that's the same passage we were in last week and the same passage that we're going to be able to land on this week as well we said this is the second giving of the law dutros means two. Namos means law Moses sees fit by the Spirit of God to be able to give the law to the people a second time before they go into a land of prosperity before they go into a land of milk and honey he sees fit to be able to repeat the law to them and after 30 chapters of doing that he finishes here Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 15 the Bible says see I set before you today life and prosperity Death and destruction for I command you to love the Lord your God to walk in his ways to keep his commands decrees and laws Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land. You're entering to possess but if your heart turns away And you are not obedient And if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed You will not live long in the land. You're crossing the Jordan to enter And possess verse 19 this day. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death blessings and curses Now choose life Now choose life So that you and your children may live And that you may love the Lord your God Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life And he will give you many years in the land. He swore to give you your fathers Abraham Isaac Jacob What's the first choice that we are to make What's right here in this passage After Moses sets out the the primacy of choice sets out the the that the choices are supreme in our life And we're going to determine whether we experience life or death or blessings and curses in this life The very first choice the most important choice for us to be able to make listed right here in this passage. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death, and destruction for I command you today to love the Lord your God. The Old Testament the writings that are full of law that are full of thou shouts and thou shalt not the very first choice that's laid before us here is to love the Lord your God. And it's even repeated. It's even repeated. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. That think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating the holy God of the universe, the creator God, the God that said, this far shall the oceans come and no farther, that God tells me and tells you to love him. Before he tells us to obey him, before he tells us to serve him, before he tells us to give to him, he says the choice that you have to make that is foundational to all those other things is that you've got to enter into a heart relationship with me. You've got to enter into a real relationship with me that's based upon love. You know that Jesus was asked the very same question in the New Testament when the religious leaders were trying to trip him up. They were trying to fool him. They were trying to make him look like a fool. And they asked him in both Matthew and both Mark, what's the the, the number one thing out of all these 16, excuse me, 613 laws in the Old Testament? What's the number one thing? What's the greatest commandment? Commandment. And Jesus very quickly just, just cuts right to the quick and summarizes the whole thing. He says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second commandment's like the first, you love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, this, this whole thing for us, the very first choice for us, is not a choice to obey. Oh, we, we need to obey. In fact, 1 John tells us that if, if we say we love God and don't obey His commandments, the First John calls me a liar. If I tell you that I love God, but don't do what He says, 1 John, God in His Word calls me a liar, and you too. Obedience is important, but it's not the foundational issue. What, how that obedience should flow out of us love relationship with God because I can be obedient and not loving I can be obedient and not loving I can keep my nose clean not smoke and drink cuss and chew give my tithe. I can show up on Sunday morning I can even teach Sunday school I can be a board member I can do all those things that on the outside that the world would think would be obedience and still not loving. First choice in this passage and all through God's Word is to enter into a heart relationship, enter into a love relationship with a holy God. All through Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord. It's all through the book of Deuteronomy as Moses repeats the law. Let me ask you today. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? It forever impacted me as a young Christian. I may have been a one-year-old Christian. I, I don't know. But my pastor at that time was talking about somebody, and he was talking about someone in the church that kind of, that kind of irritated him a little bit. I know there's nobody in here that ever irritates the pastor. I know that, okay? But in that church there was. he was even a Nazarene church, okay? So he's talking about somebody who's getting on his nerves just a little bit. And he's he talking to me about that person, and, and I was kind of his giving him an ear and giving him a shoulder to cry on a little bit. He says, "Now I know he loves God." Wow. Well that impacted me, because I'd never heard anyone describe their relationship with God before as, "I know he loves God." I've heard people say, "I'm a Christian." I heard people say I'm a believer. But well, that was the first time in my young Christian life that I'd heard anybody say, describe the relationship, describe this Christian life as someone who loves God. That impacted me, and I've never, ever forgotten that. And all the times I've seen it in the scriptures through then, been reminded that what God wants is not my obedience. What God wants is not my money. What God wants is not my time. What God wants is not my servitude. God wants is for me to love Him. And all those other things would flow, would flow out of a heart relationship, a love relationship with God. Saint Augustine, Can I quote a Catholic in here? Is that okay? Is that okay? St. Augustine said this about the Christian life. This freaks people out. Especially some of us who... Are very serious about holy living and pleasing God with our life. Saint Augustine said, Love God and do as you please. (laughs) Some people are uncomfortable with that. Because there's great liberty in that. And there are some people that want to tie you down and put a yoke around your neck and say you cannot go there and you cannot do this and you better not think that and you better not go over there and do that. And maybe those do's and don'ts are really good things. But St. Augustine says you you don't focus on that. You love God and you do whatever you want because if you truly love God, you're not going to do anything that will displease him. How many people are getting the cart before the horse and they're trying so hard not to sin and they're trying so hard, and I'm just not going to say that and I'm just going to stop that and maybe that should be stopped instead of being able to get down to the root of this matter and say, I need to fall in love with God more. I need to love God more. And from that love relationship with a holy God flows all of the other things that we read about in the book. It's a cart before the horse matter. Jesus always gets to the heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart, friends. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart because that's where it starts. That's where the real deal is. The religious leader that came to Jesus that one day and said what's the greatest commandment and Jesus quoted it. the religious leader says you know you're right teacher you're right teacher he says all of it does the religious leader said all it all does boil down to that you know what Jesus said to him he said you know what you're not far from the kingdom of heaven you're not far from the kingdom of heaven if you just get that understanding out of your head and get it right down here to the decision-making point You're going to see God, because blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How do I love somebody I can't see? How do I have a love relationship with someone I can't reach out and touch and put my arm around and hug? Well, don't ever go out and buy a book on how to love God in three easy steps because it's false. This is a lifelong journey of what it means to be able to love God. And I'm not even sure we'll have it all figured out by the time that they lay us out in front of everybody in the church. But some things I've discovered in my life that helped me in this love relationship that keeps it from being just a, a, a servitude relationship. After all, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, I no longer I call you servants. I call you friends. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Jesus spoke in relationship words, and he spoke all the way through in relationship words in the New Testament because it was about a born-again experience, a new birth. God is our Father. That's relationship words. We have been adopted, and now we are children of God. It was all about relationships as Jesus tried to describe this relationship that we have with the Father through him. And as we work on trying to develop this heart relationship, it's helped me to be able to understand and to love him. It helped me to be able to understand of all that he's done for me. Bible says, excuse me, Jesus said, those who have sinned much love much. Prostitute is 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 falls down at the feet of jesus and crying on his feet and washing his feet with her tears and drying them with their hair and 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 everybody's putting her down don't you know who's crying at your feet there jesus you don't want her down there and he says you know what those who have sinned much love much being aware of what god has done for you and it doesn't make any difference if you were saved as a as, as a young kid and the only thing worst thing you ever did was throw out some kind of four letter word Or if you committed adultery on your spouse time and time again, it doesn't matter any difference the degree of the sin. Knowing what God has done for you and that you wouldn't come within a shout of heaven if it wasn't for His grace and love and forgiveness, that helps me enter into a love relationship knowing what He has done for me. Jesus says those who have sinned much love much. Why? Because we know what we've been forgiven of. We know what we've been forgiven of. You know, I love my wife. I love my wife now more at 15 years of marriage than I did on November 18th, 1995. Sterling. First Church of the Nazarene, Sterling, Illinois, where I married her. I love her more today than I loved her at that day. Does that mean my love was incomplete at that day or somehow shallow? No. You know why I love her more today? I know her more today. I know her more today than I knew her 15 years ago. And when you're in a relationship with someone who is real, the real deal, when you're in a relationship with someone who's a person of integrity and a person in character, and you know more and more about that person and that character shines through more and more and more and more, the more you know, the more there is to love. And if I could say that about some human person, how much more I say that about a holy God who's holy in all of his character. The more I know him. The more I know him, the more I will love him. Apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. The more I know him, the more I will experience him. The more I experience him, the more real he is to me. And the more real he is to me, the more he's like a real person. The more he's like and I can reach out and touch him. The more he's like and I can just almost be able to sense him right here with me. The more I can be able to love him. How do you know God? you know him? Through his word. He's chosen to reveal himself to us. He's chosen to reveal himself to us he hasn't revealed it all there's 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 unbelievable amount of things I'm sure he's kept to himself that us in our little finite minds could not even comprehend but he's chosen to reveal himself to us page after page after page how do I know him I know him through his word the Bible says I know him through nature the Bible says how in the world can you even look outside and be able to see the things that we can be able to see through nature and not be able to know him in some way the Bible says we know him through our conscience, that God has given us a conscience, that we know the truth. Whether we're submitted to it or not is another thing, but we know the truth because of our conscience. I encourage you to be on a lifelong quest to know him because the more you know him, the more you will experience him. The more you experience him, the more real he will become to you, the more real he is, the more easy, the easier it is to be able to love. I told you several weeks ago and my journey of trying to be able to walk with God closely and intimately in a personal heart relationship with, with Him, one of the things I do is, is I just talk to Him all the time. He's right there in the car next to me. I keep a running conversation going with Him about big things, about little things. You'd you laugh at me, but I went, it was cold last night, and we went to Dayton Mall with my boys and about 6.30, and I found a close parking space, and I said, thank you, Jesus. Now, you can laugh at that if you want to. I can't say for sure God gave me that, but I'm talking to him. I'm talking to him. I did something that's going to freak you ladies out, okay? I couldn't do much shopping with my boys with me. It was, it was hard. They got that big Playland in the middle of Dayton Mall. Don't tell Sue, she'll kill me. I got down on my knee, and I looked at my boys right in the eye. And I said, don't you dare leave this playland. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And I put them right there in that playland, and I walked about five minutes away to Macy's to try to be able to find what I could do. And as I walked away, I said, God protect him. God protect him." <laughs> now, I'm not trying to excuse my irresponsibility and put it on God. I'm trying to say that I walk with him, and I talk with him. And he's real to me. Friday morning, Friday's my day off, and Sue got Christopher out of bed at 7 o'clock, and I was still laying in bed, and I saw Sue. Christopher real sleepy, and I saw Sue pick him up, and Sue, he's getting a little heavy for Sue to pick up. He's, so she picks up this 50-pounder or whatever he weighs and starts walking down the steps, and I saw her at the, from back in the back bedroom start to walk down these steps with this 50 pounds. Sack of rice on her shoulders, and I said, "Protect her, protect her, Jesus! Don't let her trip." I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you what I try to do to make God real in my life. Because the more real He is, the more I can enter into a heartfelt relationship with Him, and I can be able to love Him. And that's the first choice. The first choice is not to be obedient. The first choice is not to serve Him. The first choice is not to give. The first choice is fall in love with Him and allow <coughs> all of that to flow. One other thing that I've discovered in my life that helps me love this one that I can't see and can't touch the Bible tells me in First John that we love God because He first loved us. I can't go around and pat myself on the shoulder If I love God today, it's only because he took the initiative. He moved on me. The Bible says I was dead in my trespasses and sin, and he had to move on me. Jesus says no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. Jesus made the first move. I'm responding to that love. I'm getting to the point in my life. I used to think that preachers that preached on the love of God a lot, they were liberal preachers. That's how arrogant I was when I came out of seminary. There's this liberal preachers preaching on the love of God. Let's get down to to business. Let's get down to holiness. Let's let's get down to do this and don't do that. If you're a Christian, you need to act like it. But the more I'm walking with God and trying to... living with his word, I'm seeing that this love with God is, love of God is foundational, is absolutely foundational to every single thing that God wants out of us. Apostle Paul prays, I pray that you would understand the height and width and length and breadth of the love of God, that you may be filled to the measure with all of his fullness, an understanding of that deep love. We'll talk about that later on the deep, deep, unending, unconditional. Do you know God loved, do you know God knows me better than any person on the face of this earth and he still loves me? You know that Jim? He knows you better than anybody on the face of this earth and he knows you better than Sandy does and he still loves you. He knows you when you have those thoughts you shouldn't have. And you know they're not Christian, so you don't ever verbalize them, but you, they're still there, and I don't know why they're there, and he still loves me. There was a mom that was trying to be able to express her love to her children. And at a funeral, at her funeral, she had written him three letters with the instructions not to be able to open these letters until after the funeral and to when you're by yourself and reading them by yourself. Irma Bombeck wrote about this in one of her columns. Many of you will remember her. To that oldest son, she wrote words like this. To my oldest, I always loved you best because you were our first miracle. You were the genesis of a marriage, the fulfillment of young love, the promise of our infinity. You sustained us through the hamburger years, the first apartment furnished in early poverty, our first mode of transportation, a seven-inch TV set we paid for on 36 months. You wore new, had unused grandparents, And more clothes than a Barbie doll. You were the original model for unsure parents trying to work the bugs out. You got the strained lamb, open pins. Somebody remember open pins, don't you? For those of you who don't, used to be, you didn't have these real easy diapers to bring. You had a safety pin you had to, right? If you didn't attach that just right, your baby let you know it, right? You've got the strain lamb, open pens, and three-hour naps. And I just want you to know I've always loved you best. To the middle child, she wrote this letter, and when he was by himself, uh, he read these words. I've always loved you best because you drew the dumb spot in the family, and it made you stronger. You cried less, had more patience, war faded, and never in your life did you do anything first. But it only made you more special. You are the one we relax with and realize the dog can kiss you in the mouth and you won't get sick. (laughs) You're the one that we realized that you could cross the street by yourself long before you could ever get married. And the world wouldn't come to an end if you went to bed with dirty feet. I just want you to know that I always loved you best. To the baby, the youngest, she writes, I always loved you best because the endings generally are sad and you are such a joy. You readily accepted milk-stained bibs, the lower bunk, the cracked baseball bat, the baby book that was never filled. There was just not enough time. You are the one we held on to so tightly. For you see, you are the link with the past that gives us reason for tomorrow. You darken our hair, you quicken our steps, you square our shoulders, you restore our vision and give us humor that security and maturity can't give us. When your hairline takes the shape of Lake Erie and your hair has the color of new fallen snow and your children will tire over you, you will still be my baby. And I just wanted you to know that I loved you best. I think God wanted me to come here to you today and look every one of you square in the eye and on the authority of God's word tell you that he loves you best. Would you choose to love him back? He loves you best. And what he asked for you is to be able to love him back. Let's pray together. Father, you've told us that uh, number one thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You've told us, Father, that through all the do's and don'ts and all the places we should go and shouldn't go and things we should say and shouldn't say and all those good things, you've told us never to forsake our first love. You've told us never to forget that this is not primarily about obedience. This is not primarily about giving. This is not primarily about entering into any kind of a servitude relationship with you. But this is developing a heart relationship with you. And Father, we just, we just want to admit that we're not sure we know how to do that all the time. It's kind of easier to understand on someone that's here facing me and my wife or my kids that I can touch them and, and all of that. But for, for you, we're not sure how to be able to enter into that. So Father God, I just ask that you would help us all as we maybe today for the first time are starting on this journey of loving you. And and our, our walk with you can be described not just the fact that we're a Christian and we believe the right things, but that we've entered into a love relationship with you. Now, Father, some of your children may need to speak to you right now in this moment of silence. Thank you that you will hear them. Father, we don't understand it. But we somehow believe that you love us best. Help us to choose to love you back. Help us to choose to love you back. We pray these things in the name of the the best picture of your love that you've ever given us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Just a moment, we're going to receive God's tithe and our offering. Thank you for your continued faithfulness to this church. If you haven't taken God at his word and where he tells us to test him in this whole area and see if I won't prove faithful to you. Take him up on that. Take him up on that. And see if he will not be faithful in this area of our giving. I don't have very much time, but I just do want to read a (coughs) couple of things to you. We helped many people this Christmas. This congregation did, and I want to read just a little of the thank you notes we've received. That were to you. We've had the pleasure of reading these this week. Thank you for your kindness and great generosity. I greatly appreciate the Ohio State hoodie and $10 Walmart gift card. I've made mistakes, but doesn't everybody and you guys see past me and all the other kids in here for that matter? These are the kids at the juvenile detention place that we have honored them with some gifts. I greatly am thankful for your giving you didn't have to think of me or any of my peers but you did I know a couple of your members there at your church like Miss Julie who brought the presents and Kyle who runs the basketball open gyms and Bible study I try to follow God and his guidance as much as I can and repent of my sins sincerely and God bless Derek thank you for buying me an outfit for Christmas I really appreciate it it was a good Christmas this year and now I have an outfit to wear I just want to thank you for all your generosity You're very nice and sweet people to go out of your way to get presents in different places and also to spend your money on us. I'm excited to wear the clothes and let everyone know that Xenia Nazarene bought these clothes of their own will. You guys didn't have money to spend on us. Christmas is not about presents, but it is about Jesus' birth and also giving to this world and to people in need. I do appreciate what you have done and given to me, and I will pray for all of you. I love your church and would like to come, but I'm not ready yet. It's the way the world thinks a lot friend. but I do pray every day let me read you one more hello my name is Tiffany I'm 15 years old and seven and a half months pregnant I'm a resident at the treatment center and Miss Julie had received money from your church to get all the girls and boys including me something for Christmas and I want to tell you thank you very much and I think it's very thoughtful of you guys to want to do what you can do to make someone smile like me thank the church and all the people who threw in their own money out of their own pockets to make sure every one of the girls and boys at the treatment center got something for Christmas. So here am I writing this letter to you guys to tell you thank you so much and all the other people who pitched in. And this Christmas was extra special for me and everyone else, I'm sure. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for being externally focused this Christmas. Thank you for your continued giving to God through the ministry of this church. We call our ushers to the front. Father God, we ask now that you would be able to take what you call a tithe in our offerings. You would take them, you would multiply them, and you would use them to further your kingdom in Xenia and around the world. In Jesus' name.